everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Transforming Trauma to Triumph. I am your host, Diana Min, and our special guest today is Ms. Jen Alexander, who is an educator, an author, and a professional development facilitator. Hi, Jen. So happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. So for those of our audience that aren't familiar with you and your work, please tell us uh, who you are, what you do, and who you help in the world. I'm an educator, first and foremost. I have spent over 20 years um, as a special education teacher and professional school counselor all in Iowa. I'm also a foster adoptive mom, and I have learned a lot about trauma in both of those roles as a professional, but also as a family member to someone who's experienced a lot of hurt in their life. Those journeys taught me a lot about, well, actually what doesn't work when it comes to helping people who've experienced trauma, but I also learned things that do. And that really sparked a passion in me to want to teach educators more about trauma and how it affects youth so that together we can make a difference to help students heal. Oh, that's such a beautiful mission. And, you know, that's, it's where all the trauma is really instilled in us is in our childhood, right? And so who better to train to deal with these really sensitive times and the educators, the people that they spend the most of their time with. And, you know, I think, you know, you and I were relating when we spoke earlier about, you know, how much trauma I went through as a child and how I felt the people, um, you know, the schools, the teachers, the counselors that I would kind of seek out and reach out to were just kind of like, we can't touch that. Like, it's not really our domain. And, you know, and it was kind of like, it, it really made me feel as an abused child and, and a child going through so much mental, um, you know, stuff, uh, real, feel really alone and isolated. And what that taught me as a child was that don't talk about it. Nobody wants to hear about it. And uh, just keep it to yourself. And uh, let's just slip under the radar so that no one... No, so we don't get in trouble, right? So nobody has to know. And that, that is, uh, that, you know, and, and I can only imagine how many other children that have gone through worse things. I mean, like you said, foster children and things that, that have lived through un, unimaginable tragedy and, and trauma. And, and who do they have to reach out to, really? So. Yeah. Well, I'm really sorry that was your experience in school. I think educators, Many educators want to make a difference. It's why they chose the profession in the first place, but they often don't have training and background in understanding how stress impacts children or adults. And even if they have that beginning awareness, they don't necessarily know what to do about it or how to help. And many of them are worried about doing something wrong and therefore may take a step back, which unfortunately for, for youth like yourself, that can lead to that experience of not being seen, not being heard and not having support to get your needs met, which is what we want to avoid because every child, every adolescent should experience and have, have the ability to experience school as being a community that's a safe place, which means we have to also look as educators at things that might be happening in schools that cause harm to people and working together to stop those things that, so that school is safe and feels safe and is a place of support for every single person who's there. 
Yeah, it's such such beautiful and important work that you're doing. How did you get into kind of this arena of of being an educator and also being an advocate for for educators to be trained in and um to facilitate all of this really support for the children? Like how did you get started on this path? Um, a lot of it um, was very early on, even as an adolescent myself, I enjoyed working with children. I was a lifeguard, taught swimming lessons, and went through some of my own stress um, within my family as a child and as a teenager. And that really led me on a journey of understanding myself, then wanting to be of support to youth, too. And that took me down the path of being a teacher, being a school counselor. Then as a mom, as I started to learn even more about how trauma affects affects kids, I started doing things differently in my relationship with my daughter. She's now a young adult. She knows that I do this work. And anytime I share something about her, she has given me permission to do that. Um, but she taught me a lot. And that relationship taught me a lot, again, about a lot of what didn't work. And then once we started together to kind of figure out in this dance some things that did work, that helped her feel safe, that helped her feel connected, even when we were disagreeing about something or even when I was setting a limit. And then what we were able to work on together and with support, supportive services, too, to help her improve her regulation skills. I just kept thinking this is information that teachers and all educators need to have because students are with us for long periods of time, which means we're encountering some of these same patterns of action and students in our care need these kinds of approaches and interventions in order to feel safe and be ready to learn. Yeah. Yeah, it really when, you know, a child is, like you said, under stress or dealing with a lot of things at home, it really does affect their ability to learn, to pay attention, to focus, to to absorb information because they're, you know, they're just carrying so much that is unprocessed. And um, what are some of the things that, like, you know, you said some um, just tools or, or coping mechanisms that, that you guys are, have implemented. This is with your foster daughter, I assume, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What are some things that you're maybe teaching educators now to, to implement in the, in their classrooms? Well, everything comes back to four essentials, and that's how I structure, how I teach teachers and educators about how to approach things. But then the practices that we use fall under the essentials too. So it's all about helping everyone, adults included, Be safe and feel safe, Mm -hmm. understanding how to build a community with positive relationships that are accepting and marked by attunement, meaning that we're, we're in this relationship together and the adult or the caregiver, in this case, the educator, is working hard to understand the cues of that child or that student to understand what they might need. So noticing the need and then trying to work together to meet the need within the system of care at school. Eventually, we want to teach youth how to advocate for themselves and communicate their needs and their feelings as well so that they can continue to get their needs met and grow and develop. And then from there, we teach about regulation. We teach everyone in the school about the brain and about what happens in our brain and in our body's nervous system when we are under too much stress. That's really what trauma is. It's too much stress for the person to be able to cope with in a healthy way because because it overwhelms their stress response system. That can be that overwhelmed um, piece of it can be due to lots of reasons because the stressor is just so big that it would overwhelm pretty much anyone 
or because the person lacks the supports or is just easily triggered into an overwhelmed state neurologically based on their genetics as well or lots of other issues and pieces that can influence that. But no matter what kind of their pattern of regulation looks like, how do we help them better understand that and then learn strategies to help them regulate? So we're doing a lot of things like building in breathing exercises because that can really calm down that downstairs brain and calm and soothe those stress responses. Using movement, using rhythm, using using. What, what we call co-regulation, helping another regulate through the relationship, through through that connection so that we're not expecting students to be isolated and calm themselves down, if you will, but that we're helping them do that, much like you would do for a younger child who can't yet regulate on their own. What we know about children and adolescents who have experienced significant trauma is that they often can't regulate on their own because of the way that trauma has impacted their development. So it's really important that we help them with that because without safety, without connection, without regulation, it's really hard to learn. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible. What I'm seeing here is it's like a fusion of mindfulness, self-awareness, and also science, you know, and, and phys- physiological responses. And, and this takes so much, I mean, self-awareness on your part to, to understand, to, to see and have compassion and empathy for, for a child that may be acting out, you know what I mean? That may be projecting, that may be, um, quote unquote misbehaving overall just because they don't know how to regulate themselves and having, giving this self-awareness to, to teachers. Oh man. That is, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Have you seen the, the results of, of the, the work that you've kind of been doing and like, how is it, how's it been going in the schools? It's an incredible, um, just honor to be on a journey with educators as, as they learn this information, put it into practice. It's, it's not something that's easy, easy. It's, it's not a one and done PD and then everybody's got it and away we go. There aren't, there aren't quick fixes. If, if those existed, good educators would have landed on them a long time ago. It's really about understanding, like you said, the science, understanding the power of relationships, putting that together with best practices and then finding what works in each setting because each setting is a little bit different, but there are principles and practices that can definitely be used across settings as we notice the need and meet the need with individuals, but also start to look at the system as a whole in terms of what barriers are in place, what kinds of patterns of action are happening that could be causing trauma and causing students to feel unsafe or not accepted for who they fully are. And how do we, how do we work on that at the same time that we're working on being responsive to personal traumas and looking at what we do curriculum wise for all kids to build these skills? Because the great news is that what works for students who've experienced trauma is also good for kids who haven't experienced empathy. It builds understanding. It's about teaching kids how to be in relationship in a healthy way where you can set boundaries and stand up for yourself and ultimately fight for change that helps everybody experience liberation and be free. Yeah. God, this work is so important. It's so, you know, like I, so I'm a, you know, a spiritual mentor, life coach, business coach, and a lot of the work I do uh, with adults initially is always inner child work. 
you know, because the, the inner child, you know, the wounds that we receive when we are so young, so, so helpless, right? So vulnerable and so unaware how we are dealing, processing, you know, absorbing information and then gets embedded into our subconscious, into the core of who we are. And then having to try to unravel and heal that stuff and pull it up from the, the pits of our being as adults. I mean, it is a lot of work. It is so much work. And, you know, I feel like the work that you're doing with starting with children that are young and giving them the support and giving them these tools, these resources, like this is going to change like generations of children as they develop into adults. Like, you know, a lot of the problems I, you know, I hope, and, and this is, I, I'm sure is your hope as well that, that um, I see in adults with mental disorders and, you know, all of the, the coping mechanisms that adults have now between drinking and alcohol and, and, you know, just the escapism that they are trying to really run from themselves, right? They're really trying to run from the pain, the trauma, the heaviness that is seemingly unbearable through just a sober present mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hope that with this work that you are doing, we can eliminate all of that unconscious living that is really detrimental, not only to the individual, but to the community and the, the environment and the world at large. Absolutely. Because what, what we know about some of those patterns of action, whether it's substance abuse or self-harm or risks for suicide and including mental health conditions too, is that trauma can definitely be one of the potential causes of, of those things. And a lot of that relates to that idea of regulation. Um, one of the ways I teach educators about that is to ask them to think about a student who's acting out, if you will. And instead of thinking about how can we manage that behavior or how can we control it or how can we find the consequences going to make the difference, think about that person as being on fire inside. If they're on fire inside, we're not going to punish them out of their screams. We're not going to sticker chart them out of their screams. We've got to put the fire out got to help them regulate. And it it shouldn't surprise us once we understand that process within the the biology of of human beings. Once we understand that, it shouldn't surprise us that high proportions of people who've experienced trauma may go on to, to use and abuse substances because it's one way that temporarily numbs that dysregulation. And when people don't have other strategies that work and haven't received the support they need to develop those, then it makes sense that they might lean into that without understanding that that's what they're doing. And there's lots of other actions that can contribute to that same sense of numbing too. So like you said, a lot of it is helping people understand that so that we can prevent those patterns. But then also for people who are experiencing them, how can we we engage in relationship with them to help them heal the kind of the root of what's going on there? Such, such beautiful work. I mean, I just think about too, you know, as a society, it seems that like we promote that type of escapism um, from ourselves, right? To that distraction of like, oh, don't deal with what you're feeling. Like, let's buy this or go here, pay attention to this. Like, you know what I mean? Be on social media, whatever, and, and promote this, this, um, you know, really lifestyle of unconsciousness. And what you're teaching children is how to be with themselves, how to, how to, sit with the fire that is within them and how to put it out and how to really heal um, 
through their own the, the practices and all the things that you're teaching them and and that relationship you know um with within the teacher or student educator or counselor whatever is it, so important um I think a lot of times that feeling of safety when you talk about allowing a student to feel safe, um, that safety can actually be transferred into our adult life and how we don't feel safe in our adult life and trigger into so many ways of living in fear, right? Limiting ourselves and not taking risks and not believing in ourselves. And it can really just close in your entire life experience, because you don't feel safe. Yeah, exactly. And and the first step towards kind of expanding needs to be in relationship, that nobody can do this work alone or by themselves, that that, that healing and growth for all of us comes in relationship and in community. Yeah. Jen, I am so, so grateful, like, that you are doing this work. Um, you know, I, I really have thought about it, too, when I, at some point, like, I would love to give my time um, as, as an abused child, right, as a child that had suffered mental disorders and all the trauma and addiction and all that stuff. I've healed myself of all of those things, uh, luckily, through, you know, holistic um, modalities, really. But to be able to support your cause in any way or or to be of service i would love to stay in contact with you and and to see how i can just donate my my love and my energy and my experience with with this stuff because it's it's uh you know i had i had you as a child i would have saved 10 years off my healing journey maybe (laughs) but but you know everything happens for a purpose and so I'm grateful for my experiences now. How can more people get in touch with the work that you do or just get more familiar or support your cause or or maybe even implement the things that you're teaching in their school or in their community or with their own children? You bet. Um, I have two books that um, have been published. One is called Building Trauma-Sensitive Schools. The other one is more recent, and it's called Supporting Students and Staff After COVID-19. And both of those are focused on being a trauma-sensitive educator and what we can do to support students um, in our schools with the stress they may be experiencing. Both also tap into and talk about how to help educators with their stress because being an educator is very stressful. And right now during this pandemic, when so many things are different and some teachers are teaching online or in a hybrid kind of model, those are who are face-to-face are, are experiencing lots of changes and lots of responsibility on their shoulders to keep everybody safe. That stress builds up for educators and, and can cause what we what we refer to often as secondary traumatic stress reactions, or if they've experienced their own trauma personally, whether at school or outside of school, they may be experiencing primary trauma responses too. And so a lot of this work is about helping educators understand themselves when they're, when, when they have a lot of choice in that process. So not, not forcing educators to talk about their backgrounds, but helping them understand how stress in general impacts them so they can make informed choices about the kinds of supports they may benefit from in their own lives. So both of the books um, do um, focus on that to some degree, as well as teaching educators how to better support students. I'm also active on social media, um, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. I have a website that has lots of blog entries that have free information people can download. I also have trainings that I host right now online, um, which makes it 
easily accessible for people anywhere to participate in mm-hmm. on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, November 19th, 20th, and 21st, I'll be hosting my online um, three leveled um, training institute. So day one, each, each day is about six hours in length. There's a discount if you sign up for all days. It's, I try to make it as affordable as possible, but it's really to help all professionals better understand what trauma is, how it impacts kids, and then importantly, what we can do about it. And people can attend all the days or, or one or two days as well. So I'm, folks are very welcome to check that out and, and to join us because there's so much we can learn from each other. Oh, beautiful. Well, we're going to get those links actually connected to this interview, either in the email you get, got this interview in or on the website that this interview is hosted on and provide all of the resources that Jen has available um, for anybody who's watching, who's interested in learning more about just, you know, handling the trauma within your own family. And, you know, even when you brought up your book um, uh, for teachers and educators for COVID, I didn't even think about that. Like I'm sitting here thinking about like emotional trauma and family trauma and I'm like oh my god we're in a very traumatic place in education right now and can we I know I want to talk more about it actually can you go into a little bit like you know because I have you know obviously nieces and and family members that are like you know they're homeschooling and one of my nieces is 17 and she got like a meltdown because she's like I just like she's like I miss my friends like I'm you know she just misses her normal life she's feels isolated she feels like she's missing out on on so much and you know I I just you know and I can't even think about the small children that are trying to do this online learning and some schools are hybrid like can we talk a little bit more about that what's been your experience or what have you seen yes so what we talked about previously really relates to personal traumas things that individuals may experience in this pandemic represents a collective trauma meaning a trauma that entire communities across the globe are experiencing but what we know is that different communities are experiencing it in different ways and being affected differently um Communities of color are having much more adversity, much more loss um, associated with the pandemic than other communities. And much of that is related to the barriers and equities and racism in in terms of structures that's in place that already puts people at risk of poverty and and makes people vulnerable to the health effects that come from this too. And so that's one of the tragedies of trauma is that it often happens in layers and those layers compound one another and why it's so important that we do the work to change the systems so that everybody has access to what they need to help prevent some of these layers when something difficult like a pandemic happens, but also just on an ordinary day too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, um, you know, I can't even imagine being, you know, and, and thinking about, okay, the personal trauma, right? Like I grew up in a very abusive household. Had I had to stay home <laughs> during that? I mean, cause school was my escape. You know, I was able to go and be free of all the heaviness and, and stuff that was going on at home. And then I did hear also, and I don't know if the statistic is true, is that, you know, like child abuse, you know, was actually um, statistically on the rise through kids being home and parents being stressed and and like you said like trauma happens in layers you know everybody is experiencing this collective trauma and without the tools and without um the the awareness on how to process this in a healthy way uh you know 
unconscious living, right? People are just projecting it out on each other and, and creating more trauma within the relationships of, of the people around us. Wow. So definitely child abuse is, is definitely a concern um, during times like this, when people are sheltered in place, stress is high. Also the, the typical kind of routines that we're used to are disrupted. That brings a sense of rhythm and, and predictability to our lives that can help us cope with stress. And so when stress is high, we're isolated and we're without those typical rhythms that we rely on. Yes. The risks of adults becoming dysregulated and then having that come out in terms of abusive actions is definitely possible. We also have a lot of grief and traumatic grief happening as well as homelessness and worries about food and having basic needs met. All of those things can compound trauma. Then we also have students who did well during distance learning and may have done better than they did at school because maybe something at school was traumatic for them and they were not having to experience it while not being at school. So part of what we have to remember is that everybody's experience is different. We don't want to make assumptions that's not healthy or helpful, but it's about understanding each person's experience and how we can notice that need, meet that need in a responsive way, but also as a system, how can we work together to prevent it? So let's say, you know, maybe people in our audience that are parents that have kids at home or just maybe they're not and they're just experiencing this trauma. What is something that you can provide? I mean, aside from the amazing resources that we're going to link um, with this interview, what is something that someone can just start doing today to, to try and help themselves kind of regulate or, or cope or, or deal with what's going on for them? One of the easiest ways I found to teach people about that is that it comes down to feelings and needs. So what can we do together to help people express what they feel in whatever way works for them? Maybe that's a child and adult who wants to journal about it. Maybe someone wants to talk about it. Maybe someone wants to draw a picture of that. But whatever works for them to express what they feel and then have an opportunity to also express and communicate what they might need, whether they can get that need or not, um, get it met or not right now. But even voicing it, there's there's power in naming things. So to be able to say, I feel worried or I feel lonely and I need connection with my friends and then be able to talk to family members or other support people about what are some ways we can try to negotiate to help get that need met. doesn't mean you can go hang out with all of your friends in a large gathering right now. That wouldn't be safe. But what can we do? to help you connect. There's power in that process and in learning to communicate, communicate our feelings and needs. The other thing that I often say is that it's about, it's not just about our feelings, it's about how we feel and also how we deal. If all we do is feel, we're probably going to be overwhelmed. If all we do is deal, we're going to shut down our emotions, but we also shut down our passion and our creativity and our just our sense of being alive when we do that. So what can we do to feel and deal. And a lot of that comes through being able to name our feelings and needs and work through that together. Just acknowledging, right? Sitting with it and allowing it to be processed. So beautiful. Thank you so much, Jen. This was so, this was so helpful for me. So eye-opening for me. And, and I'm so, again, so grateful that you are doing this work and commend you for the, the impact that you are that you're having on on not only the school system but the children that, that really need it that really need the support especially right now thank you so much thank you so much for having me it was wonderful to talk with you and what um what a, a person of hope you are to be able to share your story and show the world 
what can happen when you work with your support people to heal some of those wounds that you have and what a gift you are to others through that process. appreciate that so much. Um, thank you, all of you, for tuning in to another episode of Transforming Trauma to Triumph. Um, you'll be able to get in contact with Jen with all the uh, links that we'll provide with this interview. And thank you for watching, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you.